So hello and welcome to Assurity's Focus on Voluntary Benefits. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm excited to once again welcome Eastbridge Consulting's Bonnie Brazil to our show. Uh, Bonnie was our first guest in our first State of the Industry podcast a year ago, and we're eager to see how things have changed since then, and they certainly have. Uh, she's been with Eastbridge now for more than 20 years, managing projects for both worksite and group clients, as well as helping to produce the high-quality market analyses and business line assessments that Eastbridge is known for. Also on our show today is Assurity's Vice President of Worksite Sales, Jack Douglas. Uh, Jack joined Assurity in October of last year and has previously held leadership roles with Allstate Benefits and Colonial Life, so we're excited to welcome him to the show as well and get his take on the state of voluntary benefits as an industry and Assurity's place within it. So thanks to both of you for joining us. It's going to be a great show. Let's get started. So uh, Eastbridge, over the last few uh, months, over the last year, has produced uh, several surveys uh, regarding the impact of COVID-19 on the voluntary benefits space. So what have these recent Eastbridge surveys shown or told us about the impact COVID-19 has had on the voluntary market? Well, thanks. Yes, we've tried to do, we did uh, a lot of different surveys uh, over the year in 2020 to try to keep on top of what was going on with the COVID. And it was interesting to listen and watch the way things changed. And we can talk about some of the specifics in a little bit. But, um, you know, it was definitely a year of major impact. There's no doubt about that. Um, sales, sales were down. Uh, quote activity was down, uh, enrollments, uh, everything was pretty much impacted by the pandemic. But, you know, this is a pretty resilient industry. And as the year went on, some of the things that people thought were going to be, you know, huge deals during the course of the year really didn't turn out to be as big of a deal. But uh, nevertheless, the uh, industry was definitely impacted. And unfortunately, most of the impact was somewhat negative, but not completely. Um, one of the things, you know, industries that had uh, a lot of layoffs and furloughs, those were more impacted than other industries. Um, some industries seemed to kind of move through without too much problem, and employers were pretty much optimistic about still being able to um, serve their employee needs, even despite maybe work from home and everything else that was going on. But the biggest impact, I think, beyond the obvious of people not being at the work site was, I call it paralysis. Um, everybody was afraid to make changes. Um, employers kind of wanted to leave things as status quo. Employees were not real sure what to do. So a lot of what happened in the industry was a result of people not being sure what the future was going to hold. And so we were just kind of frozen, if you will, um, about making any kind of changes um, during the course of the year. And I know that, you know, had an impact. One of the things we often see is um, quote activity. That's usually new cases, and new cases are a lifeblood of the industry, um, in addition, of course, to serving our existing cases. But quote activity was way, way down because so many employers were not looking to introduce any new benefits during the pandemic. Um, so that's kind of an overview of some of the things that the, uh, the, the surveys have told us. What are some of the specific results that carriers have reported? Sure. Well, we just wrapped up in the last month or so our annual sales survey um, and have reported out to the industry. We were never sure exactly where we were going to end the year. Um, we had projected back 
during the summer, I think, or early fall, that we were probably going to end up between 15 and 20 percent below where we were in 2019. And that is indeed where we ended up. We ended up with the market being down 15.5% compared to 2019. Um, we had total voluntary sales of about $7.5 billion, um, which was down from $8.8 billion in 2019. But interestingly, not everybody was down. Um, out of the 70 or so carriers that participated in our survey and reported their results, 40, uh, excuse me, not 40, 20 or so had increases, and the average increase among those with increases was 18%. So, you know, that's a huge uh, number when you consider everything that was going on. Now, we, of course, had, you know, a lot of companies with decreases, and those with decreases, the average decrease was around 23%. So when you kind of look at all that together, it all worked out to be the, the 15 or so percent down. Um, Group companies or companies that had a lot of group business as opposed to individual product business tended to do better than did companies that sold a lot of individual products, usually because individual products were probably more dependent on the face-to-face -face enrollment methodologies, and group products had kind of moved beyond that, even though they may be doing some face-to-face, -face, it was not the dominant thing. So that's kind of overall what the industry did down. But, um, and by the way, this is just the second time ever since we've been tracking that the industry has had a decrease. Um, we had a decrease again back in, uh, or before back in 2010, um, when the employers were in the middle of uh, imp implementing the Affordable Care Act. Uh, but other than that, these are the only two decreases we've ever seen in the industry. Like I said, it's a pretty resilient industry. And Jack, how does that align with uh, what Assurity experienced last year? That's a, a a good good alignment for what Assurity did. A, as a company, we increased about five and a half percent, five point five five to five point five percent, and that was a um, like Bonnie said, part of the 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 group that increased. And and as Bonnie indicated, the the quote requests, the proposals, those those numbers were certainly flat. Or down, but our our team is a is a very uh, um, resilient team, and they they sought all sorts of different ways to to try to keep the business, the quotes, the business, the the enrollments alive, um, including electronic means, um, call center means, any means necessary was uh, was on the table for the for the group to remain successful, and and it it. Gave us a, a five percent increase, which is uh, which is amazing in in the year twenty twenty. It absolutely is. Um, now the data also suggests that uh, some brokers experienced an increase in quote activity and sales, while others experienced sharp decreases. Uh, Bonnie, what do you think caused this? Could it be these innovative approaches, like Jack has mentioned? Yeah, I really do think it is. Um, and at the end of the game or the end of the year. We had about 23, so almost a quarter of brokers said that their 2020 sales were higher than they expected, and um, you know the number had um, about same as expected. So you know we had quite a few brokers saying that they had pretty decent results. Um, I think that 
the there were a couple of things. First of all, um, like Jack said, those brokers that reacted quickly and tried to make the best of the situation, uh, use virtual tools, learn how to do virtual meetings and all of those kinds of things were certainly more um, successful. Those that just kind of waited to see, well, maybe this isn't going to last. Maybe we're going to come out of this pretty quickly, so I don't really have to do a lot of, I don't have to learn a lot of new tools or things like that. Those had a harder time catching up because by the time they realized that, hey, we aren't coming out of this anytime soon, these lockdowns and things are going to continue, it was kind of late in the game for that. Um, Brokers who... Uh, focus on the traditional voluntary business, voluntary brokers, they, um, they tended to be more likely to have worse results than brokers who are also group brokers and selling employer-funded products. And I think the reason it has nothing to do with the products, I think the reason is those voluntary brokers were more likely to depend very, very heavily on face-to-face enrollments. And those pretty much disappeared during the course of the year. So it again, they didn't necessarily have the tools to uh, address the virtual environment early on, and so they tended to do a little bit worse during the course of the year. Another thing, I've talked to a bunch of brokers over the course of the last year, um, or certainly the last six months, and one thing stood out, too, that some of the brokers told me is they said, you know, we found early on that, um, you know, we had to be very persistent in talking to our employer clients. They said the first time we called, they may not have wanted to talk to us because they were busy adjusting workforce uh, environments and all that kind of good stuff. But he said we stuck with it, not being pests, but still being very persistent and continuing to touch base, communicate, contact. And they said that really paid off because one broker told me, he said, I had a client tell me that I had another broker that called on me one or two times, and when I said I was too busy to really think about it right now, they quit calling me. Well, guess what? You didn't quit calling me. So, um, you know, we're, we were able to do something later in the year. So I think that persistency made a, a big impact too. And I, I think the last thing that I've seen, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, is brokers who had an industry focus on those kinds of industries that were more impacted by um, business closings and uh, layoffs, you know, whether it be the small business that got shut down completely or whether it be the service industry where a lot of people were laid off because people were not traveling and those types of things, those brokers were certainly impacted more. And to me, it kind of seems like the message is one of the things we've learned is, uh, you know, concentrating all of your business in a particular area or a particular size or industry is probably not the most secure thing. Maybe we all need to diversify what's going on so that um, we aren't hurt so bad when one particular industry gets uh, impacted by something that happens in the world. Yeah, that's that's really really good advice or a good point, Bonnie. Um, there there are brokers. Uh, we we've had some brokers who who had diversified, if you will, portfolio. Like your financial manager always tells you, diverse, diversify that that retirement portfolio because one one sector may may uh, may not perform that well. But we we did have a number of brokers who even even the small 
small companies, a lot of those small companies still still produce work. They, if they were a manufacturer of, of certain items, they, they still went to work. They, they still operated as normal as possible. And we found that sometimes the, the political environment in the state or in the area played a role in some of that. And, and so it was, it was all over the board as far as uh, pr- trying to predict the ability to, to write business. Um, but you're right. The, the brokers that were persistent, that adapted early to, to the electronic enrollments, telephonic enrollments, uh, different electronic capabilities, uh, group meetings by zoom, uh, perhaps enrolling by zoom or, or telephone. Those were the ones that we, we continued talking with and continued to show, uh, increased quotes, increased, uh, increased sales in during 2020. I think those three keys that y'all have brought up here are phenomenal. Adaptation, persistence, diversification, uh, all very important when you're facing an event like COVID-19. But it isn't just brokers. Jack, how did our sales team adapt to this environment to reach and communicate with the field in different ways? Yeah, our sales team, I joined Assurity in, in October and quickly got up to speed with, with the sales team. The, the sales team we have here is an is a extraordinary team. They, one thing we, we have going for us is outside of uh, one, one team in Arizona, most of our salespeople are physically based here in Lincoln or Omaha, Nebraska. And so the advantage we had was that we were accustomed to setting appointments from afar and, and traveling uh, twice to our territories. So, so if you're accustomed to prospecting from, from a single location, that, that makes that adaptation just a little bit easier. So our, our team just really kept, kept rolling with what they were accustomed to doing minus the, the physical visits. But since they already had those established relationships and created new relationships during COVID, it, it created a positive year. Um, one of, like Bonnie said, one of few positive results for, uh, for voluntary only carriers um, in the market last year. So, so the, team, the team really embraced the technology, the Zoom, the, the team's call to, to have the meetings with the producers, have the meetings with the enrollment entities to uh, sometimes meet the, uh, the plan administrators by Zoom and, and implement the products uh, from afar. So, so th- it was a concerted effort by our, our sales team our marketing area, our technology area, our administration area to, to really adapt to, to what was going on during 2020. And I think at the end of the day, it's those results that really measure how well uh, carriers, brokers alike rose to the challenge. Um, now, Bonnie, what has been the impact, the results for in-force business for brokers? Well, you know, that's the good news. There was a lot less negative impact of the pandemic on enforced business, and both brokers and uh, carriers agreed on that. Um, Well over half um, of brokers and carriers said that whether it's um, account-level lapses or employee-level lapses, that there really was not an impact. Uh, things stayed pretty much the same that they ever had been. In fact, you know, we had mm, somewhere in the neighborhood of between 10 and 20% of people saying um, that the 
actual lapses decreased during the pandemic. And, and I think it's related to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Employers didn't want to make changes. Um, employees didn't necessarily want to make changes. Um, they were kind of sitting on what they already had. Um, I'm not going to give up. You know, if I'm an employee, unless I have serious, serious financial issues, I'm not going to give up the benefits that I already have because I now see that I really may need them. So, um, again, uh, so far there has been relatively little impact on enforced business. And most carriers um, are saying, and we didn't ask brokers this, but most carriers are saying they don't anticipate, uh, like, that we're going to see a rash of lapses when, you know, everything gets moving back again this year. So I think the enforced business fared pretty well um, because people were seeing that, hey, these are products that make a difference and we better hang on to what we've got. Employers didn't want to make changes, but that included not um, not canceling or, or, or removing any benefits that they already offered. Um, wasn't just that many of them didn't want to add benefits. They didn't want to make any changes at all. Let's just wait until this is over and then see what we need to do. Now, in both of your positions, you're in contact with a lot of brokers and you hear a lot about what they're talking about. Um, so what are the top concerns that they've shared with you uh, about the impact COVID-19 has had or will have on the voluntary business? We actually asked top concerns um, in um, uh, some of the broker surveys that we did last year, and uh, it was kind of interesting because um, the one thing that stayed the same throughout the year was a concern about, you know, reduced enrollment activity, reduced enrollment volume, that we're not going to be able to do our normal amount of enrollment. Um, the concern actually was still the number one concern regardless of when we asked the question, but the numbers did actually go down a little bit. The first time we asked the question, it was about 75% of the brokers said that was one of their biggest concerns, their top concern, whereas you know, the numbers started inching down a little bit to maybe 60% of brokers saying that that was their biggest concern. So still the top rated item, but um, it was, and it did continue. Early in the year two, um, they felt like that maybe there would be lower interest in voluntary uh, by both employers and employees. And again, as the year continued and people saw the impact of what happens when you're faced with a, a situation like this, that concern um, decreased. And in fact, a lot of people think that, um, you know, it, it actually shined, shined a spotlight on how valuable voluntary benefits are. One of the uh, early concerns, too, that people had, brokers had, was they were saying that, hey, it is taking me so much time to answer questions um, from my employer clients that I don't have much chance to do anything else. This was real early in the uh, um, the pandemic. And that kind of disappeared as a um, as a concern as employees, as brokers went through it because everybody kind of adjusted and it, there was not this huge drain. Um, early on, too, brokers might have been concerned about this whole idea of employers dropping benefits, layoffs, or employees dropping coverage because of financial pressures. But again, as we just talked about with the enforced business, those did not turn out to be concerns either. So um, right now, it looks like brokers are just looking to see kind of, you know, can we get back to normal? And um, 
looking to see whether or not what really does happen. Um, are employees going to to want to buy? They think they are. They think that uh, you know this has been a positive kind of a thing in the aspect of you know, spotlight on the role that voluntary benefits play. Yeah, Bonnie, I'd, I'd concur. Those those four or so points. Uh, there was a concern for the producers and brokers I, I've talked with that there will be lower interest, particularly involuntary because of, you know, when things get get really stressful, you kind of close up the ranks and, and shrink into what's truly, truly important. And what became obvious to us this year is that voluntary is truly, truly important. Uh, the positioning of the voluntary, the unique solutions that uh, voluntary offers to to some some healthcare gaps issues, and uh, we found that positioning those those solutions that the voluntary offers was was the best way to to get the attention and have that conversation with the producers, so that they can offer something of value that is truly useful this year, right now, to those uh, to those employees and, and their benefits needs. It's especially interesting uh, how you've mentioned those those concerns changing and shifting throughout the year as the uh, COVID-19 pandemic progressed. Uh, however, it's it's a great sign, Bonnie, that you've mentioned the optimism uh, in, in the field. Uh, do we expect to see a stronger than typical enrollment season this year? I think the uh, jury is still out as to whether or not we will actually have a stronger than typical enrollment season. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that we will have a good enrollment season and that the sales uh, and enrollment during 2021 will definitely be better than in 2020. Um, brokers uh, is like almost 80% of or 70% of brokers think that their sales in 2021 will be higher than what it was. And in fact, um, you know, over almost a third think that they're going to be much, much higher than what they were in 2021, and, or excuse me, in 2020. And, and carriers tend to agree. You know, with the, um, the dip that we had in sales in 2010, we had an almost instant recovery because in 2011, sales jumped up above where they were in um, the year before we had the decrease. I'm not sure that we're going to have um, an instant recovery like that where we go above where we were in 2019 because, of course, this was a much larger dip than what we saw in 20, uh, in 2010. But um, I think it we will definitely come back strong. Um, it's just a matter of how strong is it going to be. I think a lot will depend on where we are um, in going into the fourth quarter because, as everybody knows, um, the fourth quarter is make or break for this industry because we have so many of our enrollments that take place in the fourth quarter. If things have kind of gone back to a fairly normal situation, regardless of whether people are still working from home part of the not, um, I, you know, I think we have the opportunity to have a really good fourth quarter enrollment in 2021, but uh, still a little bit early to predict just how strong that will be, in my opinion. Yeah, um, what we're seeing, Matt, um, to concur with, with Bonnie, is that uh, the question was, uh, is it going to be stronger than typical enrollment season? We're, we're seeing increased interest this year as compared to last year, especially when you when you kind of take take a slice of it and and you start in April, really the second quarter, 
the April and May proposal numbers, uh, th those quote, quote requests, those type numbers, are a lot stronger and, and really start surpassing April and May of 2020. And, and so, you know, looking at that, if, if, it, if it continues to have a steady increase, which I'm assuming uh, other carriers uh, are, are similar to, to what we're experiencing, it, it's building up to a, a strong fourth quarter. And uh, as Bonnie mentioned, the fourth quarter is very important uh, for, for every carrier in this industry. And you've both uh, hinted at a stronger interest and uh, awareness of the importance of voluntary benefits as a result of COVID-19. Um, do you think that employers and employees will be more open to voluntary benefits in the future uh, because of this? We do at Eastbridge. We think that um, they're a lot more likely to pay attention to voluntary offerings today because of what they've seen happen with, in 2020 with the COVID-19. Brokers seem to think so, too. We ask a question of brokers um, at least once a year, um, and that is whether or not they think employee enthusiasm will be stronger this, in the fall. 12 months, about the same or less than what it had been, and then we asked the same thing about what do you think employers are going to think about voluntary benefits, and the numbers were really the strongest I've seen in a long time when we did this back in January of this year. 79% of brokers said that they expect employee enthusiasm for voluntary to be more uh, to be stronger than it had been in the past and 76% said employers they expected them to be more enthusiastic so um and also nobody said they expected employees or employers to be less enthusiastic about voluntary that question even though it's not really a sales question it's just an enthusiasm type of question has over the years as we've been asking this has been very well correlated with what happens in the industry so um you know, when we see that brokers are feeling very optimistic or think that employers and employees are feeling very optimistic, we've had good sales years in those years. Um, again, bets are kind of off because this is an unusual circumstance coming back from 2020, but I do think that um, there is a lot more optimism. And as Jack mentioned, you know, we, we, we've got people out there really understanding in some cases, maybe for the first time, how important it is to position these benefits in a manner that people really identify with. And, you know, if there's any silver lining, I think that's really happened through um, what we had to deal with in 2020. Right. Um, thank you, Bonnie. Just anecdotally, I, I don't have hard numbers uh, like Bonnie, but, but there is stronger interest. It, it feels there is stronger interest this year in in voluntary and worksite products, um, simply because what what you may have witnessed last year, you may have witnessed a, a loved one or relative or family member who had to go into the hospital, or or someone who 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 did have an accident of some sort um, uh, last year, and and the the benefits paid off for them. So. Um, so it, it does feel that there's a much stronger interest to, to protect those those employees uh, for the employers to to help protect the employees and the employees to to look for something just a little bit extra something to help help close that that uh, deductible um, space for them to to help them really really take their paycheck further. 
Yeah, you know, Jack, that was something we've always said for years within the industry. You know, that's what these fits do. But there's nothing like having experienced it firsthand um, yeah. to really yeah. make that pay off. And this year, so many, or last year, so many more people experienced it firsthand, if not themselves, like you say, a family member or a friend mm-hmm. or somebody. I mean, that exposure to what can happen to you, I mean, it slapped you in the face every day when you looked at the news. Um, so I think that it's brought it home, what people have been saying for years about how it does take care of deductibles and copays and out-of-pocket right. expenses. But now people have really experienced it. It's not just an intellectual um, <laughs> thing. It's now an emotional thing. And um, right. we all know that a lot of people buy from emotion. <laughs> right. Uh, there, there was a lot of abstract conversations before 2020, but 2020 made it made the reality and, and you know the 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 thing that i mentioned about accident is um what, ha- what happened in 2020 is a lot of people a lot more people started going outside and you couldn't find a new bicycle uh in the second half of 2020 so uh, that's a good thing that people are on bicycles but people on bicycles also fall off of those bicycles <laughs> so so you know there were there were um we 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 certainly you know, did see a little more outside activity, a few more sprained ankles from trail running, a few more um, accidents from from uh, those new hobbies that that they were taking up, and sometimes solo hobbies. So, so that that exposure just just helps helps everyone understand the importance of the of the worksite products. Well, it's it's interesting. I remember talking last year, Bonnie, about the possible silver lining of people realizing the importance of voluntary benefits, and it looks like that's really come to fruition over uh, the course of this this past year. Um, I want to pivot a little bit, though, and talk about the ways that brokers and carriers have changed to address this new environment. Um, Have you seen that brokers are planning changes to their voluntary plans or voluntary offerings as a result of COVID-19? You know, we asked brokers about that in our January broker survey. 75% of brokers said, yeah, they were expecting to make some changes to their offering as a result of having gone through COVID. It was interesting because it was very it was very much split um, evenly. About 25% say, hey, I am really now a believer in the supplemental health products, uh, you know, the accident, the critical illness, the hospital indemnity products, and I'm going to be offering those a lot more often than I have in the past. We had another 20 that said, you know, hey, it also put a focus on disability, protecting your income and protecting your life, and I'm going to push those a little more than I've done in the past. And then we had another 25% or so who said, um, I'm going to start adding more non-traditional products. The one that was named most frequently was, um, you know, things like ID theft and financial wellness and legal plans. So, um, yeah, I think brokers are kind of rethinking what their portfolio might need to look like. And some of the brokers that were maybe only dabbling in voluntary, um, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but didn't sell the full range of voluntary products, were only selling an occasional voluntary product. I think they're seeing, the again, like everybody else, that this, these benefits um, serve a very, very important need in 
people's um, financial security. And so they're looking at what kind of changes they want to make in their portfolio. They also wanted carriers to make some changes to their voluntary plans. They wanted more coverage for things like COVID-related issues. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things we saw was they wanted, um, you know, more products to cover COVID-related diseases, and one of the things that they asked about was, you know, we ought to cover COVID under hospital indemnity. Well, you know, if you're hospitalized, regardless of the reason, you're going to be covered under your hospital indemnity plan. So that pointed out to me, and I've told a lot of people, you know, we really need to make sure um, our brokers and our enrollers um, understand uh, what's covered and what's not covered under our policies because there was such a large percentage of brokers said they wanted carriers to change their hospital indemnity plan so they covered COVID. And every carrier I know that offers a hospital indemnity plan would cover COVID under that hospital indemnity plan. So again, just kind of a little side note there um, related to that. Yes. Um I, you know, we we did see what, what seems to be, and maybe this was a trend happening just a little bit before COVID came, but for the what we call the mid-sized sophisticate or even the, the larger truly brokerage houses, we've seen just a few more voluntary specialists on staff. And I don't know if that's consistent with what you've seen, uh, Bonnie, but but it just seems that that's something that that's coming into a little more focus with true true health brokers that that they are starting to understand the importance of of that part of the benefit options for employees to to really uh, round out the the package and to to help the employer and the employee feel feel more secure. So. Maybe that's just an observation, just a casual observation on my part, but uh, I, I have seen the brokers um, understand the the need for, for voluntary benefits a little bit more over the past really two years or so. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think more and more of the large brokers are developing, um, you know, specialty uh, units within the large brokerage to mm-hmm. help um, educate the other members of the agency about voluntary and worksite benefits and what they can do. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%, Jack. So you mentioned that there's a desire for carriers to change their offerings amongst uh, brokers. Um, have carriers made any changes to their plans as a result of COVID? Um, yeah, one is educating what they already covered because a lot of them already covered things, uh, so they put some more attention to that. But, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of companies have done is, um, you know, added to the health screening benefit or made it more explicit that if you were having to have some sort of a, 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 a screening related to COVID that it would be covered um, under the screening benefit. Um, critical illness plans just in general, did not cover COVID. Now, I say that knowing that there are some, there were some critical illness plans already on the marketplace that had a, um, a rider that covered 
uh, COVID was one of the things that was covered under sort of an infectious diseases type of rider. Um, but we saw um, that was really where the big tick up was with carriers is developing either built-in coverage to cover COVID and other infectious diseases under critical illness or developing optional riders to uh, cover that. Um, so, yeah, I think carriers were making some changes to their benefits um, to really both explicitly and just from an educational standpoint let people understand that when something like this does happen, um, we do have options out there. Well, we, we um, focused on kind of the education portion of that. We, we do have coverages like you mentioned before Bonnie the hospital indemnity will cover you when when you're put in the hospital and and so we did kind of a, a focus on what are those specific benefits that could help you if you did contract covid in in uh or or a similar illness and and so highlighting the sickness portion of the hospital indemnity was a was a big push that that we did highlighting the the disability product if if you're out of work uh was was certainly a big push so so we kind of went more in the way of educating the the employers and the and the brokers about what they could cover that's already available that would that would help them with with covid yeah that's great yeah we need more of that. Yeah. <laughs> now, product offerings aren't the only things that changed over the last year. Uh, enrollment methods have as well, especially in the case of face-to-face -face enrollment, which was impossible for the majority of the last year. Um, so how have you seen the enrollment methods change over this, this past uh, 20, uh, 2020? And is that having an impact on the participation rates we're seeing? Um, Definitely enrollment methods changed. As you said, um, we had very few in-person, face-to-face enrollments in 2020. Apparently there were a couple, but um, very, very <laughs> few. The, um, the, the most common um, enrollment methodologies used um, during the year were online self-service and call center enrollments. When you look at um, you know, broker enrollment methods, those were the most common ones. But we also had those virtual meetings that we talked about, whether they were group meetings or whether they were one-on-one -on -one meetings through, you know, I, I talked to one broker who said, you know, I've been doing Zoom meetings. I've been doing one-on-one -on -one meetings, but I've been doing them over Zoom, and it's really working good, and I can get just as many people to sign up with that as I can when I'm sitting down with them literally face-to-face, -face, in person. So we did see a lot of uh, those enrollment methods change, and people... Um, you know, I said earlier that brokers that had historically done voluntary and only done it through face-to-face -face were probably impacted most strongly by this because they had to learn those virtual enrollment methodologies and they had to, um, you know, embrace the online. You know, we've been doing online self-service type of enrollments for years. Um, as an industry, that number, the percentage using that has inched up uh, for quite a few years now. But, um, you know, some brokers had, because that's not the way they had always done business, they had not always embraced it. Um, they were still using um, their other methodologies. And there's nothing wrong with face-to-face. -face. I mean, face-to-face -face is great opportunity when you can get it, but not every opportunity or every case gives you that opportunity. So really embracing that online self-service, there were more people that embraced that this year. 
As far as the impact, um, most brokers say that, yes, they do think it had an impact on participation. But interestingly, um, even though the highest percentage said that fewer people enrolled and they thought it was because of the uh, change in um, enrollment methodology, we actually had about a quarter of brokers say that they changed their method of enrollment and they thought more people enrolled. So, um, you know, again, it was kind of a mixed bag, um, more likely just related to how comfortable the broker or enroller was with embracing some of these different technologies and what they did beyond just the uh, actual physical enrollment process itself. But, so we'll have to see, um, you know, kind of what happens going forward, but it does appear to have had somewhat of an impact. Yes, I agree, Bonnie. It did have a, what I would consider an accelerating impact on the embrace how brokers and producers embrace the technology. For the ones that were in the shallow end of technology, I think it it, it really pushed them to to embrace it totally. Um, and in in 2020, as a carrier, we we got the direct uh, links for for Solaris. We have the ability to build Solaris cases. Um, we also enjoy links with Employee Navigator and Ease. And and so we were actually promoting those those platforms um, to as solutions to your enrollment woes during during COVID in in 2020. And I think that may have helped some some producers or segment of producers who who were just uh, just a little bit shy about using that technology to jump in there and use it to to reach those those clients who may may not have been accessible by a one-on-one paper app or a uh, in-person uh, visit. So so it was certainly I think it did accelerate the use of technology um, certainly for Assurity and Assurity's uh, clients. But uh, also the industry as a whole, I think it think it pushed forward the technology uh, by a few years. I think that's a, a very important point to bring up, Jack. Um, that it's not just a surety, but the industry as a whole has really made a lot of investments into the infrastructure for virtual enrollments over this last year. Um, as we look forward, do the two of you think that virtual enrollments are here to stay, or do we see the industry switching back largely to in person? I per, I'll jump in on this one. Um, sorry to step on you, Bonnie. Um, no, you, go ahead. You've been the first one. Um, I, I think it is it, because w- once you you get a taste of something more efficient, something a little bit smoother, something that that helps the process become better, it's it's hard to go backwards. Um, you know, w- once you get a car that has uh, electric windows, it, it's hard to roll those windows up every time. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, I'm just showing my age by the way, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I think it's, it's really a, a progressive step. Um, unfortunately it had to be done by, by a pandemic, but it was a progressive step in a lot of ways for technology and a lot of parts of our, our even day-to-day lives. We, we, we've changed the way we do a lot of things now because of, because of what happened in 2020. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I feel very strongly that um, online and virtual type of enrollments are here to stay. Um, like I said before, online was already trending pretty strongly before the pandemic, and that just, as Jack said, accelerated the people's push to um, other types of digital type of virtual enrollments. Um, we asked brokers in that January survey what they thought about returning to face-to-face, -to -face, and um, most brokers felt like there would still be a place occasionally for face-to-face -face type of enrollments. But, so they didn't think it was going to completely disappear, but they were all in agreement that it was uh, going to be used much less often than it had been used prior to 2020. And carriers also, we asked um, some executives in uh, insurance companies across the industry um, back uh, a couple of months ago, and they also agree that, yeah, face-to-face, will probably come back to some degree, but not like it used to. The other thing I think that will, uh, you know, is the, the uh, in-person group meetings um, will probably come back and be used maybe more frequently than the face-to-face one-on-one type of enrollments because um, the face-to-face -face group meetings give them an opportunity to uh, address these needs, and then somebody can go and use a virtual or an online type of enrollment to physically make their selections. So um, I, th I think that's probably going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. And just a case in point is um, if my parents are now having doctor's appointments through Zoom uh, and they're 80, then <laughs> we know we're, we're kind of really moving forward on the, on the technology um, spectrum in almost in a, a Jetson-ish type world. Yeah, I'll, I'll one-up you, Jack. My 92-year-old my mother can do a FaceTime call. <laughs> <laughs> and the camera's on her face. It's not pointing it is to on the ground her face. or anything. That is right. Wow. So, yeah, we are, we are definitely, uh, just as a country, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're definitely moving forward. Technology has benefited from this pandemic. And uh, uh, those of us in the voluntary industry can uh, – can take advantage of it by, you know, one of the things that Jack said a minute ago was uh, much more efficient enrollment processes through the uh, virtual and online. And that is, that, that's true for everyone. That's true for the broker, for the enroller, and even for the carrier. I mean, the difference mm -hmm. between having a virtual or online enrollment application versus a paper application enrollment, not that there were tremendous amount of paper going on before, but there was still, you know, it was persistently out there in the industry as some, you know, 20, 25% of all the applications that we got in the industry were still on paper. And from an efficiency standpoint, that is not an efficient process for anybody. Um, it's certainly not for the carrier, but it's not for the broker and roller either because, you know, things get left off and then they have to go back and they have to collect it. So um, I think that comment you made, Jack, about the efficiency, um, mm -hmm. you know, this helped us respond to an inability to do other things, but it also pushed us ahead on the efficiency route. All right. Yep. Good point. Well, it's great to see, and uh, just another one of those surprise silver linings that this uh, whole ordeal has brought to us. 
Um, this is going to bring us now to our final question uh, for this interview, and I'd like to thank you both uh, for taking the time to be with us. And this question is definitely the one to pay attention to if you are a broker listening to this podcast. Uh, so in your opinions, uh, how will brokers need to think differently about voluntary enrollment, benefits education, and product offerings to uh, best meet the increased employer and employee appetite for uh, voluntary benefits and be successful this upcoming enrollment season? Big question, but definitely an important one to answer. Well, I'll, I'll take a, a comment yeah. here, and I'm sure Jack, Jack's got a lot of other thoughts, too. But to me, the thing that I keep um, thinking about, and I may have even said this when I was with you guys last June, is we have got to think about enrollment from a holistic standpoint. Enrollment is not signing the application or filling out the form online for that. Enrollment is a holistic type of situation where we have to do more than just complete the application form. The most successful brokers before the pandemic and after the pandemic are going to be those that realize this and really work to have a robust communications and education campaign um, that surrounds the event of actually selecting your benefits. And I think the other thing that we have to recognize is we've got to meet people where they are. Um, not everybody wants to do things the same way. Um, even though my 92-year-old mother is now doing FaceTime calls, <laughs> she would prefer not to do things that way. And as we move forward with enrollment, we need to have a lot of different options. Somebody might prefer to pick up the phone and talk to someone in a call center. Somebody else might be perfectly comfortable just reading the stuff online and going through the educational material online. And then another person, you know, might prefer to have a, a Zoom meeting with an enroller. And so I think it's important for us to think about this holistic enrollment campaign and offer options so that we can meet employees where they are, not try to force them to do things the way we would like them to do it, but to be able to make options available to it so they can be more comfortable with the process. Those are very good points, Bonnie. The the enrollment is holistic is a uh, is a super point to to keep building on and meeting people where they are um i i really think considering a majority of americans can get on the computer and order a pair of tennis shoes or a book or whatever you want to order you can order anything on amazon uh people are comfortable with with serving themselves and, and making those selections themselves what I think is very, very important is that benefits education, that that benefits booklet, that group meeting, the education of the the uh, future policyholders about how do these benefits tie together? Where where does voluntary and worksite um, products where do they fit in the importance of your benefit selection? And speaking of buying shoes, there is a statistic out there that we spend much more time on shoe selection than we do our benefit selection each year. <laughs> and, you know, maybe one day we can, we can uh, change that around, but, but it, is, it is an educational opportunity. And, and I think some of the brokers and some of the producers are, are certainly uh, leading the way in, in the importance of the, the education so that when they do log on to that system or sit down for that one-on-one, -on -one, that they, they have a very good knowledge of 
what's out there and what's available for them to to select and why they should should make those selections. Well, I think that's great advice from both of you, and that, along with the insights and statistics that you've presented in this show, have, uh, will go a long way to preparing our broker audience to have a successful year as we all go into 2021. Um, I want to thank both of you, Jack and Bonnie, for being here on the show uh, on our second annual State of the Industry podcast. Uh, I think that it was a lot of great insight that you brought to the table, and uh, it'll be really helpful for, for the field to listen to. Um, so thank you both. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you. And next time I come home to Columbia, I will we'll certainly meet at the, at the Blue Marlin again for lunch. <laughs> Sounds good. Matt, okay. thanks for having me on again. Of course. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Assurity's Focus on Voluntary Benefits. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Assurity and our voluntary products, you can visit Assurity.com. And you can also email us at podcast.assurity.com, and we'll be happy to connect you with the sales team in your region. If you'd like to learn more about Eastbridge Consulting and their research, you can visit them at eastbridge.com. Thanks for listening. Assurity is a marketing name for the mutual holding company, Assurity Group Incorporated, and its subsidiaries. Those subsidiaries include, but are not limited to, Assurity Life Insurance Company and Assurity Life Insurance Company of New York.